everybody. Welcome to another episode of 12 Million. I am Darren Jenkins, and I'm here with my co-host, Akbar Majid. What's good? What's good? What's going on, man? On today's show, we have a, a guy who I've heard a lot about, and I'm finally getting to meet. Um, an artist, an educator, a curator, a community facilitator, Fahim Majid. What's going on, Fahim? What's going on? I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I, I had a choice. I've heard great tales of of your wisdom. So we we come here to to speak on the art world with you because I, I don't know if you, he's told you anything. I used to actually be an artist as well. Okay. And, um, and I'm always interested in hearing what's going on. Like so, you know. Let's start from the let's start in the beginning, real quick. So, um, you are in the same house with Akbar. Yes, people, they're brothers. Yes. Um, and you, you're you you become the artist. When did you start? Like when when did this? Oh. Love. Oh, that's a great question. That was a question I was going to ask. So. <laughs> great question, Dick. <laughs> you know that's funny. Um. I think it's it's always been there, but I I wouldn't have called it art back then. I, mm -hmm. You know, in hindsight, you know, uh, Aqua has a lot of really great stories because I think he would watch it, and you know, what? So 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 let me jump ahead. Like high school, I loved animals, right? So I wanted to be a veterinarian. Mm. I was in Minnesota. I ended up getting my mother helped me get this like kind of like zoo residency for high schoolers. And I got to study at a zoo for a summer. And two things I learned from that time, because I wanted to be a veterinarian, is number one, how incredibly boring <laughs> veterinarians were. Like, it's just like, like, oh man, like I, I thought I was gonna be swimming with dolphins and swinging with monkeys. And I ended up sitting around watching mountain lions sleep all day. And then I developed an allergy to cat dander. So, you know, it, it was just like, no. And how much school I got to do? I don't even like school. <laughs> so, so, so then I went back and the whole time I had this uh, art teacher named Mr. Wald and he was always in my ear. He's like, you're really good at art. You should think about art. I'm like, dude, if you don't get on with all that, like, like, no, I'm good at art, but that's just what I do to get a grade and I enjoy it, but just go on, go on, go on. And then he took one of my pieces that I made, because by this time in junior year, I was independent study. There were no more art classes I could take, so he just let me do what I want to do. Hmm. And he went and he kept saying, he sold it. And he sold it without my permission for about $75, something like that. Wow. And he came back and put the money in my hand. And for me, that was the moment that really, I was like, wait a minute you sold that thing and that took no effort to make. And I enjoyed it. It was a moment where I realized work didn't have to be work. Like I always assumed that I was going to be doing work that I didn't like. And that's just a part of being an adult, but I, I never wanted to be an adult. Right. So it's that moment when I realized I had that aha moment said, wait, the thing that I'm passionate about can actually make money. And mm -hmm. so for me, everything from that point, and then when you look back, you start thinking about, and opera, I'll tell you, like my my toys, I my my favorite thing in life was duct tape. Like, like that's all I needed. Everything had duct tape on it. I would take my toys, tape them together, remake them, and then I would actually use them, or just seeing the world differently. Opera, I talk about that ant hill. Mm. I didn't even think you remembered the ant hill in the backyard. Oh um, yeah, 
by the basketball court and you're like, watch my brother's anthill. Like, you know, like trying to get red ants and black ants to live together. And I was like digging out holes. And then I came out one night and the mound was like two, like a foot in the air. And just like creatively seeing the world, uh, spray painting on the back patio. Yeah, so he was very creative you know, in hindsight, right? I mean, it, at the time, it was not necessarily considered creative, either from myself or my parents, right? It was like, what in the hell are you doing? Right? I said, I want to spray paint our names on the back patio. <laughs> right, so, <laughs> and permanent to, paint, right? So Yeah, you're supposed to be painting the, the, the barbecue grill. What you doing? Oh, I thought it'd be cool. Oh. To spray paint my name on the, the patio floor right so it's you know and normally in our household it's like who did that but you know the fact that he spray painted his name it was very very easy to figure that out Hmm. (laughs) yeah it sounds from you know that that's that's funny because i actually have an almost exact similar experience when i went to like i art was not my thing my brother was the artist i was I wanted to be an actor. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just whatever. And in high school, I ended up having to take um, charcoal drawing class. And my my teacher at the time was also a professor at SVA. And so he would he would he was especially hard on me for some. And I kind of didn't like him very much in the beginning. And then one day, I think it was like right around like our, um, we were about to, it was a couple of weeks before we had to leave school uh, for the summer. And he said he thought that I should apply for um, the fine arts uh, program in SVA in Paris. And I was just like, yeah, right. <laughs> My father's not letting me go to no damn Paris. <laughs> and he was like, you're, he's like, this, these pieces you're doing are amazing. And so the week after that, right the week before we left for school, he came back with a um, check for $250. And I was like, what is this for? He's like, that piece that still life you did last week. He's like, I, he's like, I showed my wife and her boss bought it for his office. And wow. I was just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, like, huh? well, he's crazy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I can imagine like that first moment thinking that something you're good at could be, you know, something else. Yeah, but we talk about that all the time, right? You know, it's like, hey, I, I see these fat, you know, we talk about this in our, you know, especially black communities as well. It's like mm-hmm. the things that we take for granted, we out here competing, you know, about who can have the dopest shoes, yep. you know what I mean? And then others are like, no, let's monetize that. And this is like, we, you know, our is really good to think about like how to monetize things or think about like maybe a different way right. in different spaces. When we go to other spaces, those things are valued differently. Right. And it, it, although around us, we got create creativity just everywhere. And we just take that creativity for granted as something that can be monetized or something that can be a living or a career because we don't necessarily always have the sense of business to kind of move something that we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. We kind of accept certain rules. And, um, you know, that to your point, what you're saying, there's this moment where I kind of broke through the little bit of the looking glass or whatever and realized, huh, 
Mm-hmm. I can actually have it all. I, I can stay a kid forever mm-hmm. and continue to make or whatever instead of feeling ashamed. Like I was an athlete. Right. It was kind of, I always say I was a closeted artist. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to get teased because I was hanging around with the, you know, the queer art teacher, right. you know, uh, uh, or whatever because of these kind of, you know, toxic kind of, you know, athletic things in locker rooms or whatever. Right. So I was going to turn my back on all of that on this guy who was like totally invested in, in showing me this value because it's not a norm. Like that's yeah. not normal. You know what I mean? So Mm-mm-mm. it's, um, you know, I, I can, you know, I can remember. So, you know, Akbar has been trying to get me to watch the uh, documentary, um, which uh, okay, absence of light, right? I think that's what it's called, right? And what yeah. made me really like, I it didn't even occur to me until I watched this documentary. When I went to, so I went, I ended up going. So I couldn't. My father wouldn't let wouldn't let me take art in high in college. It's not so, unusual. Yeah, he 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 was like, if I'm paying, you got to take something that's business related. Right? How you gonna make? How you gonna eat? How you gonna eat? Right. right. So I I. I, th- I thought I was fooling him by taking advertising design, which had a lot of art classes, art, to it, photography, art, yeah. color theory, all these different things. Yeah. And one of the classes we took, we had to take as a, as a re- prerequisite was uh, art, uh, art history. And it wasn't until I saw this documentary that it hit me that not once, not once, in art history, did we talk about any black artists, black sculptors, black anything? And I was just like, how in the hell could I? Like, how does, how do, how do you get inspiration when you don't see like-minded, like people? That just, I just, I just, I don't get it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's like black history is one thing, you know, because the argument is like you shouldn't be expecting people to teach you about your history anyway, right? But on the flip side, like a lot in black history, we don't even know who the artists are. You know what I mean? Even in that space, because art is usually kind of the, in a way of a Eurocentric kind of aspect, art is the, like the final thing that's, you know, that you get as right. like art on the wall. You can't, you know, but in black society, art is an integral, whether, you know, in, in Pan-African, art is an integral part of living. So yeah. art isn't something that even sits on the wall. Art is something that's in the streets, something that's in the clothing. It's it's there is no that the artwork the way we see it is actually a Eurocentric, you know, all the African kind of quote unquote art that we call it. Those are active things. Those things people wore. So it, 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 you know, it's like how do we even get to that traditional thing? Which is why I love that they focus in that thing uh, that uh, documentary through the lens of David Driscoll's right. revolutionary show. Right. Um, and fun fact, one of the people that was in that show, I didn't know this until I looked at the catalog, was my mentor. Oh, really? <laughs> well, Bill Taylor. You remember, you remember Bill Taylor? Bill oh. Taylor from Howard, correct? Yeah, with the duster and the, the, the hat, the cowboy. All right. Yeah, that's the cowboy. <laughs> so here's a fun like fact. So, unfortunately, fortunately, he went to Howard University, right? So, uh, uh, no, I but mean, actually a great university, right? And the, and, and, the, so, yeah. and the appropriate university for him to go to, right? <laughs> oh, it was, it was perfect. I learned all my networking. I, mm. You know, I think, yeah, I, I learned how to work a room right. uh, in Howard. <laughs> and one of the things I, I used to do and, you know, I've always been one of his biggest fans, right? So I used to come down and hang out with him. You know, and I'm 
a little older than he is. Right, and I'll yeah. come down and he'll be like, what you want to do? You want to go hang out? You want to go do this? I'm like, nah, we can just go to the studio. I'm <laughs> cool just sitting in the studio watching you do your thing. And that really was what I wanted to do, right? Because it was just fascinating for me to see that he really tapped into something right. that was his, right? right? So, yeah, I remember uh, yeah. in the corner doing this thing, so... Yeah, I, I remember you saying that at my wedding, and I was like, yeah, I remember that. And I always thought it was weird because it was just something that was a part of my reality. And at the time, I was like literally the only kind of sculpture major at the university. Mm. Um, it had a very small department. There was an art department, but we were in this kind of like abandoned um, like, like, like dance studio. It was kind of like we were squeezed in. And I was the only, like, I think I was pretty much the only sculpture major, especially working in metal. Um, so that means that's the type of budget you get. Like, you know, now, now I'm a, like a tenured, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a professor. So I kind of understand like how crazy, uh, that time was to be the only major, which means financially ain't no one dropping a lot of money in to a one major, you know what I mean? Right. So I learned a lot about scrapping metal. Like I, I learned how to make something out of nothing from that absence that has really carried me over. It allowed me to open my own business right out of college to be full-time uh, within two years, full-time artist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I just really learned from a lot of people. Uh, and I was very fortunate just to be in a, like, a lot of right place at the right time. But yeah, Bill Taylor, uh, who was in that exhibit, who was a phenomenal metal sculptor, Carver, Wood. Uh, he was a retired UDC professor from University District of Columbia. And he would hang out at Howard. He'd get up in the morning come in, smoke his cigarettes, make his art. Afterward, afterwards, you go to Chuck and Billy, have a beer, <laughs> flirt, go home, get drunk, get up and do the same thing. That was his retirement. That's how he lived his life. And it was the, the, the coolest thing. I was like, dude, you, you got it made. So, yep, I'm in heaven. And that's all he did. And I got to spend all this time really learning from a master. Mm -hmm. And then to see him in that exhibit, like way back in the 80s, I think it was, I was like, oh, wow, that Dr. 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 Driscoll did talk about knowing Mr. Taylor. Um, so yeah, it, that, 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 and there's a lot of things in that uh, video that uh, are pertinent and colleagues and people that I know that uh, I really liked it, looking at that. So it's a good, if you ain't saw it, check it out. Right. I'm, all, right? I'm always like, uh, like I'm in awe of people like yourself who can do, um, who are doing art on that level, especially when you're doing it in these massive spaces with a multiple of mediums and like, I, you know, me, I'm a pencil and ink dude. I'm just, that's all I says. Hey. Painting? Nah, dude, I'm sorry. I can't touch it. I just, I'm not good. I'm just not good at it. But yeah. um, I just wondered like, where, you know, when it comes to medium, um, it, how, like from you, 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 you know, how do you get inspiration to work in, like in like in various meet in these various mediums? Because yeah. not always can like and from an artist's eye, and I think a lot of artists think about this from an artist's eye. You can take you can look at something that most people like. I think there's a piece in the documentary where the um, somebody was creating something with pian old piano keys, yeah. and I. It's like I like when he threw it in the floor. I was like, "What the hell?" Oh, I get it. Yeah, get it. Like, it how, how do you? Yeah, do I wrote that down. I actually talked about him and to a student of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That is so, I think. I think for me, um, I still see myself as that kid welding Mm. at Howard, right? In my heart, you know, and there's there's a culture around that, right? Metal people kind of move and function like direct fabricated. They wear holes and, you know, they have burn holes. The ones that are really into it, they look like mechanics, you know, and there's a culture. And this is a community that I found when I came to Chicago. But, you know, I, I also fell in love with a, a non-for-profit called the Southside Community Arts Center, a black space, 80-year-old arts institution, you know, uh, support. Lots of firsts came through there, you know, mm-hmm. Gordon Parks first, Dark Room, Gwendolyn Brooks, Nat King Cole, like you just named it. It's like, you know, right. it was one of these black spaces where a lot of black kind of thought happened before, you know, things kind of opened up, you know, in Chicago. And, you know, like, 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 at a certain point, I felt like I was a figurative metal sculptor mm. and and I was trying to connect some of these other things um, into the work. And I was very happy to make a blues player, steel cowboy. You know, technically I was very sound, but I started to wonder if the work could do more, right? right? So that's the point where it's like, well, I got to figure out how to make it out of metal. Everything had to be through the lens of the medium because I'm a metal sculptor. And at a certain point, you know, when I, I went back to Minnesota before I came to Chicago, it's like I had tons of access to metal. My neighbors, you know, they were fabricators. I could go down the street, train track, pick up stuff. But when you come to Chicago, they're scrappers, like they're dudes with shopping carts. Like I think anybody in an urban city knows this. They're, they're, they're guys with pickup trucks driving through alleys. Like this, you know, contractors. Like I scrap my metal, I make money off of that. But my wood, I have to pay per tonnage to have it removed, right? Mm-hmm. So if I come digging through your dumpster because I know how to find free materials to keep my costs down, and I touch your metal, I can get shot. Yeah. Because you're taking my money. Right. But what you do in that dumpster, hey, man, I need to get this timber. I need to get this lumber. They're like, oh, for real? Let me come out there and help you with that. Mm. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you take all you want. Take the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, so so I have free material here, keeps costs down. So now mm-hmm. I'm not doing metal. Maybe I'll do wood. But, make, you know, th- th- then it's like, well, you know, I need, I need, I want to take some photography because in order to get this idea out, photography is going to be the best solution. Right. So maybe instead of me learning photography, I can go work with a photographer, a uh, photographer, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's my idea. So then at a certain point, the ideas started to shift from like the idea, the value of the idea became more important. So the idea, like, like, what is the thing I'm trying to say? What am I trying to draw attention to? So that's the idea. And then the question is what medium, and maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's a mix of them. Maybe it's installation. What is the medium that best does it? So I just started to stack a little more pressure on the work along the lines of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to represent. And I pulled away from like, does this need to be the best welded metal, whatever? Like that became less important for me. But understand there's lots of different types of art. I don't think it's fair to judge one type of art to another type of art, just like there's lots of different types of blackness. Right. You know, an infinite of range. So they can all sit in a room. Sometimes I really enjoy the way something looks and it's made. And I can really kind of do that when I look at my mentor's work and he's just doing all these figurative works, you know, and I just really enjoy I like, man, look at the lines in that thing. But then other things like, man, that really challenges me mentally. Like that piano piece you were talking about. Like, that challenges me to think about the world differently, space differently, 
that does a different thing. So I can value all of those at the same time. So I like to think I move in and out of those uh, within my studio sometimes. I just like lately, Aqua, you got to come back up here and I'm getting back into welding, man. I'm starting to okay. weld, start welding some figures, man. So I'm getting back into the met the metals coming back out. So all right. So how has Chicago impacted kind of your practice, you as an artist, um, the whole nine? Like, I mean, because, you know, you've moved back to Chicago, uh, (laughs) (laughs) per se, right? So those questions, where do you really represent, right? But, you know, But what has you know what has you know what Chicago done for you, or what is it doing for you, or just you know I know you've been embraced by Chicago and you've kind of taken Chicago by storm. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so just a little backstory. My brother says I moved back to Chicago. I was born in Chicago, uh, but we moved away very young. Akbar actually lived here longer than I did. Our parents were in the Nation of Islam, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's where they met. Mm-hmm. Uh, some familiar history there. And they left the nation and moved back down or moved south to where, uh, you know, our father uh, was born, North Carolina, kind of that area. So that's where I spent the majority of my childhood. And then our parents separated and um, Akbar went off to college to A&T. Aggie pride. Uh, And um, I literally turned 13 Mm -hmm. and my teenage years were spent, my mother going back to her childhood space of Minnesota, Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So I spent my teenage years in Minneapolis and then I went to Howard um, and I was literally like maybe not even one. I don't know how old I was, but I was born in Chicago and then full circle. I made my way back to Chicago, but by, by following my wife, girlfriend at the time, my wife to come here. And uh, now I live four blocks down from the house I was living in oh, wow. <laughs> when I was born. Total coincidence. Like that's a coincidence. My, my dad came to visit. Our dad came to visit. And he was like, Hold on, make it right. I was like, yeah, well, okay, why? He said, like, man, you know, that's the house you were conceived in. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, so same street, four houses down, the smallest house in the whole area. Though, like, like by far, it was a little garage converted. But anyway, um, so yeah, but coming back, not not that that has anything. There's some type of, I don't know, or spirit we can put on that, but that's not why I came back. And in a lot of ways, coming to Chicago was my art birth. Mm-hmm. So I do, you know, it's like I, when I associate, you know, school was Howard, right. but my kind of entrance into the art world was really Chicago. I spent some time in Minneapolis where, you know, which is also is home for me, but not an art home. Like I have no artistic connection there. Everything was through Chicago. I came here and I, I, I brought all this metal work because our mother passed away and I had this body of work that was really kind of tapping into the stress and the emotion of this moment of our, our mother passing. And that's what I came to Chicago with. And immediately uh, uh, a lot of people, especially black artists really like, like pulled me in tight, partially because I rounded out the, the exhibits, right? Mm. I was in a room full of painters and photographers and I was this metal sculptor that in a lot of ways they're like, we don't have any metal sculpture here. You remind us of a younger Richard Hunt. You have a provenance, you know, like people tapping into these things. Oh, you're from Howard and blah, blah, blah. You know, so so they said, yeah. So we're gonna put you in the middle of the room, but long as you don't take up the wall space. Mm. So I got mm. to be in every show. So pretty much oh. right away, just by the mention of being a sculptor, if I was hanging things on a wall, it might be, not be the same thing. My path might've been very different, 
right? So then I'm talking about this work about my mother and I had my first kind of like solo shows and everyone really emotionally connected with that work. Mm. And that really laid the foundation you know, then I moved, I didn't have a space to work. So people directed me to Southside Community Arts Center. And then I was an unemployed, you know, I was on unemployment at the time. So I had time to sit around all day and, and just make art and collage up in this 80 year old black institution. And then I met all these older people who started like, they loved me and I became this kind of like, like a son, you know, and it, 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 you know, and then collectors came. So I was really quickly, I experienced something that now I realize a lot of people don't get to experience. And I just kind of like Akbar talked about it all the time. I just kind of walk into stuff. It's like, you know, it's not even like I'm being teeth. He's just like, he's just like, you lucky bastard. Like, you know, it's just like, I just, I just, I just, I was just there and I just made the art and talk with people. And, and then things just kind of evolved. And then, but then I return to those things. Mm. Right. So that's the thing. I never leave it. I don't think we come from community. My, our father's a politician works in the community our mother ran a chemical abuse agency so community service is ingrained in us so whenever someone gives something to me i always give back so i came back and then that evolved and i learned about arts administration and and then that opened other doors and then you know it's like then i went to grad school because of that and then you know it's it, so it just builds on it but i like that i can clearly see a line from point a to point b about how this thing impacted this thing and this, I, I can literally walk it backwards I can literally all every kind of connect. I can walk it backwards from point A to point B. Well, art is such a, um, I think <clears throat> art is such a, a, you know, this is one of the things, this is one of the reasons why I think um, educators, true educators fight so hard to keep the arts strong yeah. in, 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 in schools um, because um, art is such a, I, I don't know. There's just something about it that opens the mind in a different way. And you may not even stay in art, but I think no. because of how it's, it's, it goes across cultures. It involves math. It involves science. It involves history. It, there's so many layers to it that, um, to, to deny a uh, school uh, young kids the a chance to explore it regardless mm -hmm. of whether they're hands-on or they're right. just learning the history of it um, they you just miss out on so many opportunities and I I would argue that the reason why you fall as backwards into these opportunities is because art art wants you to you know it yep. just you know it just it's just that way. You got it. You 100% correct. I teach now. So, you know, I am a teacher um, mm. and I teach at a state university, a state college. So my kids, the students that I teach, I teach it like right now I'm teaching a 100 level sculpture class by mm. Zoom online, like just like this. Oh, wow. sculpture, Right. And I got to say, it's probably these last two semesters during COVID, I have been the best sculpture classes I've ever taught. Oh, hands, down, hands down. And the reason for it is because just like what you're saying, the thing that art teaches, and like, I would say only half of my kids are actually art students. Right. The other half are coming coming from the sciences. They're coming, it's their first time taking art classes. But what I tell them, it's about ingenuity. So right. I try to teach a class that like, I'm throwing a problem out to you. 
you got to think through it. You don't have access to wood. You don't have access to this, but we're going to make trash go. I'm going to show you some examples. You got to figure out, you need to take good photos. So mm-hmm. you got to, I give them these things and they have to think through the problem and find, they have to do a certain amount of research, use ingenuity. And I say, yeah, to your point, you may never do art again, but this, don't think of this class as an art class. I'm going to show you some artists, but think about how to think through a problem. Right. creatively think through a problem, how to make something out of nothing. It's that thing like, I don't have any materials, but yeah. I can go rummage through a demolished building and I can figure out how to clean and strip steel down mm-hmm. and girders to make things that it don't even look like it no more. So now I have, you know, now I've thought a way of, and it cuts cost. So it's like, so you can take that to anything that you're doing. And that makes you a, a more marketable individual if you can actually think through and you're not just like sitting around waiting for someone to tell you what to do, but oh, you're seeing ahead, like I need to plan ahead. And that's in a lot of ways what I think my art does with, that I have to constantly do. Um, you know, and some of that, especially in black and brown communities comes out of a necessity of survival. Right. Like you go, you go to countries, like me and I've been in Brazil, you see there's no trash. Right. <laughs> You see how people are building shanty towns, like everything. There's a possibility in everything. Things getting used three and four and five times. Right. It's not valuable in a shanty town. Right. But you take that whole mentality and move it over here and put it in another space, and it becomes valuable. So a lot of the kids that I'm teaching, man, I got a girl doing class in a hot dog cart. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because because she like you know, I'm first gen. I I, I love this class. But I gotta, hey, I gotta eat. I gotta make this yeah. money. I'm out here with a mask on. And she be telling the most amazing things. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got a girl in Pakistan doing class at four o'clock in the morning. Most brilliant person you ever seen. I, I love my students because they don't come from privilege right. and they don't have a choice. They gotta work that hot dog cart, girl. I'll be like, yeah, we're gonna work. We're gonna figure it out. Save me a hot dog. I'll be down there when it's clears up. So I love my students because they be trying to figure it out, man. They 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 don't come from prison. I'd be like, you don't need to hide that from me. Right. We're gonna figure it out together, you know. So how do you manage kind of the different mindsets of being a teacher? I know you kind of come from being a curator, and then also your practice as an artist. Kind of how do you manage your work between that? Is it schizophrenia? Is it a, you know a combination of what kind of? So. It's the same strategy as, uh, you know, um, my wife talked about this, is it's no different of making that kind of like, I'm going to, I'm gonna the way you think about the way I make things, even at work behind you, Akbar, it's assemblage. It's that same thing. Like my mentor, Bill Taylor, he, 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 he would weld things together to make figures, but he also carved things out. So he'll subtract things, right? So there's two different types of processes, an additive and a subtractive process when it comes to, so, so I'm not a good stone carver. Like he says, you know, like, look at the wood, let the wood tell you what it wants to be. He carved away and I watch him and the leg would pop. He said, no, the, the wood told me it wanted me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but if I lob this thing off, I want to be able to weld that thing back on. So I really kind of took to that, like cobbling things and pulling them together. So the same way I make those, that metal sculpture in the beginning, you know, it's the same way that I think about all aspects of my life. So it's literally from, from running an arts institution. Could you remember? Yes, I was a curator and eventually I became executive director of Southside Community Arts Center within seven years right. of walking in. But I didn't walk in with any training. I didn't, I, I was the dude that was asleep in the back of art history class. I hated art history. I was always asleep. 
it was very hard for me, but then I ended up teaching in our history class, right? So, so, so it's literally, but what it is, is I cobbled things together. So I didn't have no money at the Southside Community Arts Center. They gave me the position, but no money. And they said, well, figure out how to do this. I mean, what's my budget? Well, you ain't got no budget. So then that means I got to cobble together a series of support. Well, hey, I got a building, I got some black history, but you got some money, but have no access. You can't get in here, so let's trade. I'm gonna let you in here. You frame mm-hmm. these works. You give me a little budget for programming. So, like, oh, there's some scrap pieces down here in the trash. I'm gonna weld those things together. So the same way, I, I, I literally think that once again, the training in that art helped me. The way my mind works is it, the same way. No matter what thing I'm doing, I'm still thinking about that little metal sculpture where I'm taking nit, bits and pieces and pulling them together to make something whole. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's one unique aspect of how I, it's not curation, it's curation, administration, sculpture, art. It's all kind of, it gets a little kind of mixy and dicey sometimes because you don't quite know what you're looking at or what it is. It wants, it doesn't fit in one box. It can fit in a lot of different boxes. So um, I can't help making a, a sculpture without thinking about, you know, like that. there's, there's a, there's a lu- little bit of a luxury or freedom in doing that, that I have to work really hard just to make an artwork as an artwork like that's something I, I i can't do but it i have to really focus because i start I'm like oh yeah i know who's going like this and i know you know so so yeah that's when you talk about that you remember i'm a metal sculptor i didn't go to school for none of that stuff i figured out how to run an art institution by being in the art institution and responding to what they told me need to happen and being creative about how to figure that stuff out later on i realized oh oh, I'm actually building a language and I can actually teach some people. So then I got my degree and all of a sudden I'm teaching in museum studies, right? So I've taught in museum studies, mm-hmm. art history, sculpture, social engaged art practice, art administration. <laughs> like these are all the, I've taught in all these programs. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that come, and that's all experience. That's in the world. Right. I tell you, I, I miss going to the one thing I, I miss doing. I I miss going to museums and just walking yeah, around too. and watching and, and, and looking at, at art. When I was like, I remember when I was in a eighth grade in Newark, I would every day, literally every day after after school, that I would go to um, Newark, the Newark Museum, and just walk walk around. And even when I was living in D.C. in it would have been eighth grade. I was, we, I would make the trip all the way from Maryland into the capital to go to the museums. I, I feel there is, you know, art is just, it, you know, my, I, it comes from my mom. My mom was an artist as well, sculptor, writer, um, poet, um, and. And I just, she always taught us to kind of appreciate, you know, art on, you know, regardless of what it was. And because um, it just offered so much from, uh, uh, to, 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 you know, to the, to your, your, you know, at that, at that age, you're still right. gathering knowledge. You're still trying to understand, make sense of the world. And, um, it doesn't help not to have an understanding. Like I wish, like after watching this documentary, I really wish that I'd heard a lot about some of these artists. Like to be honest, the I didn't really start hearing about 
like collecting type like art until Basquiat, which is insane. I mean, I would disagree. You have heard about hearing about it. I have. Did you ever watch the Cosby Show? I mean, you can't uh, say that. You know. True right. that. <laughs> true that. You, oh, even, you can even go a little bit back. You can even go to Good Times, right? Good, time. good Times as well, right? So right. as far as bars, it's been and, around. And it, JJ it, was painting, and, you know, and, and, and yeah, and it, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's when it gets put into the types of things we digest, right? You know, it's like Swiss Beats and yeah, Jay Z. When it starts to move into, you know, it kind of matriculates down, and people. It kind of pops up in pop culture, but you're right. It, mm-hmm. the, the scale, like, is beyond that. But David Driscoll was managing the Cosby's art collection. He's the one that said, "Put those artworks on the wall." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it, it, yeah, it, it's you're, you're right. So there's the nuanced version of it, but it starts to matriculate. And, and you're right, Basquiat is this, this kind of lightning rod because he was graffiti. He, he was right. tapping in all these things. So you know, but there are these other kind of aspects too. And now the world is kind of opening up and then generations are coming up into it and it's moving right. into museums. So it's like the museums are always trying to uh, catch up or fill holes and things like that. But yeah. going back to something you said about seeing art and you're right, like whenever I go to a museum, I almost get overload sometimes. I can't mm-hmm. be in it too long because for every piece, I'm thinking about what my relationship is to it. So I just, you know, with my students, I spend a whole t- like, like four weeks getting them to think about minimalism and like, you know what I mean? Understanding like the thing, like I picked the thing that they hate the most. It's like, you know, you go into the gallery and it's like a, a painting with a dot on it. And you're like, what the, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's just a, like a red, like looks like a red wall on it. You're like, why is this here? Like, right. and that's the question I, I make them ask. Like, well, why is it there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why is that there? But you got it, like, but we can all do it. So why, and then, you know, it's like, so asking those questions, but then going, now when they go into museums, they're going to have a very different relationship. And they can concretely say, I really hate this. And be like, but do you even understand it? And be like, no, I understand it. Let me run it down while I understand it. Right. I really hate this. Right. And this is why I hate this. You know right. what I mean? So, so, oh, hey, my wife is here. You want to say hi? Oh, Okay, special guests, special guests. Say hi. So th- this is Lashana. This is my wife. She's really the genius behind all the work. Uh, I'm really just repeating what she tells me. So I was gonna say, I'm like, oh, well, we she she should yeah. be doing that. Another Howard yeah. grad. Like like yeah, another Howard grad. Exactly. We we got a double over here. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, hold on one second. I'm sorry. Where'd it go? It's in here somewhere. It's in one of these. I'm sorry, I had to throw stuff down. All right. There, there it is. Right there. Okay, go ahead. Um, but but yeah, no, seeing art is important, and I think uh, I try to get them to go and see work. And yes, COVID makes it really challenging, right? To do that, obviously, you can't go into a museum. But I don't go to museums nearly as as much as I would like, right. or sometimes feel like I should. Right. And um, that is a like the a proper museum, a traditional museum, is a bit of a spiritual moment because. When I leave a museum, I, I, it just makes me like want to run to the studio and start making work um, right. as well. So it's the benefit of like one of the benefits of this platform and this time. Like I don't know how we would well I know how we've done it in the '80s. We just wouldn't have been able to do it this way. Right. But uh, I can show an infinite amount of like you know usually you see an artist you're curious about it. Depending on the scale of them, you can find some really 
overly published, <laughs> amazing video. Within three minutes, you can understand their practice because of editing. So right. uh, that is one of the benefits of why my class goes so well is because in a short amount of time, I can give them a lot, very dense amount of information in three minutes. Mm. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the work you're working on now. Yeah. So uh, kind of things you're doing, uh, working on upcoming shows, or just kind of you know, what's going on. So uh, in my studio side, I probably uh, want to talk about that. Like um, right now I'm getting ready for a solo show at the High Park Art Center, which is okay. uh, kind of a large space here. It's um, They have a large kind of atrium area. It's a big, it's called the big, kind of like the big space. Um, and what I've been doing is well, the way I constructed it, it kind of, kind of ended up like I was trying to do one fell stroke and then it ended up hitting at separate times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I did a rubbing, so I've been doing kind of graphite rubbings. You appreciate this. So, so, so you think about like, I, I, I like tombstone rubbings, you know, how there's this whole, you take a piece of paper and you rub the name, like, you know, mm-hmm. so. So for a variety of reasons, I, I came to tombstone rubbings, right? Being inspired by the like uh, a thing uh, done by one of the founders of uh, a woman named Margaret Burroughs, who found the first black, you know, museum, first African American history museum in the world in her mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. across the street from the space I used to run, right, Southside wow. Center, right. So she was someone who I drew great inspiration from and permeates a lot of my practice, but. Like in my studio, I get to spend times with strands that were connected to that Southside Community Arts Center that I couldn't, didn't have time to do while I was running it. All right. So this is one strand that's kind of opened up. So, so just taking it back a little bit, bear with me. <laughs> uh, one of the things she used to do with her free money, uh, because she taught in Statesville prison, in the prisons, she taught black men art for years, almost up until she passed away into her 90s. Mm. Uh, she would take spare money and buy tombstone markers for unmarked graves for black men and, and women. Wow. So this is like one of these like myths. It, 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 I know it's factual because she also, in DuSable Museum, the museum she founded, I found a grave marker for Jack Johnson, the first heavyweight. Oh, really? Right? So she had bought a little, it's nothing, you know, it's this big, it's not... You know, it's just a little, she heard it was an unmarked grave. She thought it was an atrocity. So she did something. She was all about action. That's what I loved about her. She didn't do a lot of talking. It wasn't like she was asking permission. She never really asked permission. <laughs> I, I take that, like, I take that, I take a lot of, like, like she didn't, she didn't write these things down, but she has an autobiography. You know, I learned from talking to her and kind of piecing together philosophy, you know. So one of the things I, I always say is I don't wait for permission. Right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And either you're going to do it with me or I'm going to go around you. So, I mean, just, that just so I learned that from her. Mm-hmm. So, so this thing, like, so I was thinking about, so, so they didn't end up putting the marker in because it turns out the family was doing a much bigger kind of monument. There's this really great image that Rasheed Johnson did of laying over it uh, that he has, but uh, all let's say, so that thing sits kind of in the back, storage area just whatever and i thought about what it would mean to go and do rubbings of these like it was a way of connecting with her doing rubbings of these tombstones she had paid for oh, wow. so just kind of like in my mind i don't think it's possible but it's like in my mind uh which is where it sits right so 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 i moved it from there um mm-hmm. to think about doing rubbings of things that don't exist 
like things like thinking of time. So like a photo a photograph sits in a moment, it freezes time. So right. started to move into photography. So I started doing rubbings of the Southside Community Art Center's floors and its walls, thinking about like like this as a space of something that may not be here in a hundred years. Mm. Right. Like this connects to some other work of demise of the Southside Community this whole series of how to destroy a cultural institution where I came up with a plan to destroy this thing that I love, like get rid of the black institution, how, you know, so it's a whole conceptual thing. So this is an offshoot of that. So, mm-hmm. so growing that, so I'm, I'm getting to what I'm doing. So growing that uh, as a part of that, I did a, a rubbing of the exterior of the building, mm-hmm. which is basically a three story, uh, like you would think of like a brownstone, Georgia revival. So I've done a one-to-one rubbing where we laid the fabric down, we got the cherry picker, we went out there and made a, a show of it and did a rubbing, like like a massive rubbing, right, of the facade. And then I spent COVID sewing it together. Mm-hmm. And, and buildings don't sit still. They're not like, that's not how that works. <laughs> like, right. yeah, yeah, things don't, and that's the point. So it right. becomes a metaphor. The building is a living thing. It, it's vibrating. It's It's evolving. Time is moving forward. And it, the metaphor is trying to get it in this moment where it won't sit still or trying to control something that's uncontrollable. So you kind of have to give in and let it do what it want to do, which which means it won't be a one-to-one. It's going to be something beautiful, but you have no control of that outcome. Right. So this is a little bit of what I was going through when I was there. I was like, why can't, you know, when I kind of took over leadership, why can't you as an institution just do what I'm telling you? Because this is going to be what's best for you. And the thing is constantly saying, no, we're going to do what we, you know, it's going to do what it wants to do. I can't control the people. I can't control all the things coming through the doors. So I just have to give in and work with what comes in through the doors. And it ultimately ends up being beautiful. It's not what I initially intended, but it's just going to keep going with or without me. So this action of doing a rubbing of something, you know, you come back, the wind blows, the thing moves to the left, Mm. go this way. You come back, the wind blows, the thing goes to the right. You go back, you know what I mean? And that, I had to, I had a, 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 my, my studio assistants work with me. I had to train them on letting go. <laughs> like you have an idea, you want to get this arch, but that arch may turn into something else. Right. You want to get this door. Now we got four doors. You know what I mean? Like, so, so it's like, so this, it becomes this kind of way of documenting a process, but also documenting time that's mm-hmm. vibrating. Like how do you do a rubbing of something that's vibrating? So we do that. And the way that I was thinking about the show was, you know, this is that thing I talk about. I can't just make the piece, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I proposed getting a kind of micro mini retrospective at the Southside Community Art Center while that's happening. So then put some of that metal work, some oh, of that wow. woodwork in the inside. And then at the end of that show, my other show will open up at the High Park Arts Center, which is the next neighborhood over. Ah, gotcha. Both of these institutions, both community art centers, were founded around the same time, 80 years ago. One is mm-hmm. in a predominantly white, one is in a predominantly black, and there's not a lot of overlap, even though they're within like 15 minutes of each other. Mm-hmm. So here's a way, but the artists in both, they, they, they share these spaces, they move back and forth. So then once again, when I talk about the work doing more, so now the rubbing, yes, it documents that history of the center, but now the center moves into another building and now the directors have to talk. Mm. 
So then other mm. artists, then other shows start to generate. One's learning from the other. We have a new director at Southside Kimi Art Center, you know, sharing resources. Oh, we should do some shows together. Oh, so then beyond the show, then it sets a platform for other things potentially to happen. And they get to know each other, know each other's kids and ins and out and all that stuff. Right. So then the work takes on a little more. So mm. that, that, it was supposed to be like this seamless thing of three months over the course of last summer. But COVID hit and kind of blew that all up. And so then it became a solo show that's about to close next week uh, by appointment only. And then the rubbing that happened, it was supposed to be like a community mural. So people were supposed to come out. We're going to have food. People going to make their own art, talk, poetry, all that stuff while we up there kind of, you know, Thing. That didn't happen. Couldn't do that mid COVID. You know what I mean? So we had to cut that. So, right. so, so then it became two shows right. <laughs> in a separate event. But it's still going to happen. So I'm excited to kind of put this big rubbing in the space. And during the time, I, I set it up so I could take the show down and put the show up because I was also producing my first video, uh, working with a, a dance troupe called the seldoms and a videographer to project on the exterior of this uh for my next show so it's like i've been actually incredibly productive at this time all these things have come together so every two weeks i take the whole show down and then put up another show shoot a video practice take it back down and start (laughs) so so some of the work i selected was specifically things that i knew i could kind of deinstall really fast and reinstall It's been incredibly productive. I know that was a lot of information, but that's a lot of where my, uh, yeah, I get, I'm excited. I'm in the studio. That's my studio right. side. Okay. Well, so the good. other side is. No, you, you, you don't floating museum. The floating museum. Tell us a little bit about the floating museum. I know I've told Darren about it a lot. So, yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to implode your viewers. I try to, you know, I separated, but I, I'll share. I'll put my other hat on. So the floating museum is that other aspect of Margaret Burroughs. Uh, you know, we, we call the Burroughs algorithm. And what you got to understand about Margaret Burroughs, who is a matriarch institution builder, um, uh, she, she, like the founding of the first black history museum in the world didn't come out of her wanting to found a black history museum, right? It came out of her being a teacher. Mm. Right. And that very thing you're talking about, teaching in the Chicago public schools in the 50s, you know, and realizing that, hey, this curriculum doesn't capture the diversity of the world. It's all white males. Right. So she asked for the school board to change the curriculum and they didn't. So she said, all right, screw it. I'll do it myself. I'd say it's a Thanos moment. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just Thanos, like grabbing the glove, like, you know what? I'll just do it myself, you know? And that's what she did. Like, she just grabbed a glove. She's got her friends together, said, we're going to get some stuff. I'm with my African art, my friends, and we're going to start teaching them in my home, hmm. in the coach house. And then eventually she bought the house, you know? And it was the community, that it was a moment when the community started calling it a museum or that she realized, oh, we don't have anything like this. Hmm. Right. So I'm going to be responsive and found a museum. So it started with the Ebony Museum and then she moved into, got a little donation. And once again, not asking for permission, but telling what I'm going to do. And uh, she just scaled it up, but it was all responding to the needs of the community, not the other way around. Right. So that's an incredibly insightful, which explains why the black museum is different 
than a lot of these other institutions. So if you come here now, anyone who knows this album knows it kind of functions a little differently. It's a little weird, right? right? Mm -hmm. But that comes out of our black institutions didn't have the luxury of having compartments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got, you got, you got the science museum, you got the art museum, you got the contemporary museum, and then you got the black museum. Right. Black museum got to be a community center. It got to be a cafeteria. It got to be a theater house. It got to be every. So she she wasn't really looking at how museums work. She was looking at how museums work in the community. One of the last things she was trying to work on before she eventually retired was putting a cafeteria to feed the children so they can go to school. Hmm. Probably looking so at what the campus So on that note, right? So, I mean, we could get back to that. But on that note, right? So how do we balance in our community maintain or building our own institutions, particularly when it comes to art, right? Or galleries or museums. But at the same time as an artist wanting, some will say needing the exposure, uh, access to cure, I mean, collectors in mainstream museums and, and galleries. Like how, how do we reconcile those two, two, two facts, right? And particularly, you know, there's a lot of talk now between because of Black Lives Matter. You know, Black culture is back on the the, the world stage, right? For this time period, right? Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but kind of, you know, what's your thoughts of from an artist perspective? That intersection of how we manage and deal with all of that. So here's the thing. Um... <sighs> Some of like looking at what I do, which I grow, and you know this, Akbar. We talk about this. Why are you doing so much? Like, if you want to be an artist, be an artist. Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like taking that on too. I, I think it is. It, you know, once again, she did that out of necessity. Right. You know what I mean? But as we know, as we always been taught, we got to not only do what everyone else is doing, but we got to do it twenty times better. Mm -hmm. And we come out of a generation of parents that have been telling us that since the beginning we got to do more just to do to be considered average right 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 so then the question is when we move to a point of where an artist can just be an artist mm. and i don't know i i, I you know I, i'm not saying that's what i want to do right but I'm, I'm not projecting that on other people right. so when i hear people artists young artists or other artists call me up saying hey i want to open a gallery i'm like but do you though <laughs> like you sure because i know i don't want a non-for-profit i have a non-for-profit because it helped me facilitate this kind of passion project i have going on but i don't want to run up you know south side can say hey you want to, you should be on the board i'm like i don't think i want to be on the board no more i don't mm -hmm. i want to be an artist this i want to be an artist for you and i think i you know you're going to benefit more from me making work about the Southside community arts and then me coming in arguing with you about Southside, because then I ain't gonna want to make that work no more. Right. So, so, so you know, I, I think we have to be intentional about the things we want, and I think sometimes, you know, Carrie James Marshall is someone who who's had a profound impact on me, not about necessarily my art, which there are some similarities, but more so. When I was in grad school, I would knock on the door of his studio and um, he would send me off. He would be like, I'm busy. Who are you? Stop knocking on my door. And eventually I knocked so much, he let me in. Mm. We had a conversation. And what we had, a con I thought we were going to talk about art, 
And then we started getting into this very question you're asking about what is my role at the Southside Community Arts Center? Why are you there? What is the long-term impact you want to have? But I thought you want to be an artist. And I'm like, well, we can have both. He says, you can't. Hmm. You know, Carrie, I love Carrie. He's a, but he is a bit of a glass is half empty. Hmm. You know, not a glass. I'm an optimist. Like, I believe, you know what I mean? I realized that in those conversations after I got over the depression of him basically telling the very thing that I'm saying uh, can't happen. So we cannot save the black community in the way that I'm talking about. So I might as well just kill myself and just move on because my life is pointless. <laughs> so after kind of going through working with them, you know, like, 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 oh, so, oh, I got it. You're, you're a bit of a pessimist. Oh, I get it. Okay. 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 Now I understand. But <laughs> But we end up talking about all these things that is about the artwork. But every time I walk out the door, I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot. Can I show you my clunk? I never got like, damn, I didn't actually show him what I make. <laughs> like, I've talked to him, like, like, I mean, for, like, long period, like, four-hour, like, you know, like, we get into it, and then it's, like, this, like, really intense. But we've never actually talked about the artwork that I make. Right. Not once. To the point mm. he came. When I graduated, you know what he said to me? He came to my graduate school, which I didn't, I don't even know how he knew I was graduating. He showed up and he said, huh, I didn't realize this is the type of artwork you were making. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh? I was like, is that a good? I'm like, I don't even want to know. Like, so I don't even want, I don't want his opinion on my artwork because I don't think my heart, I'm a professional now. I, can, I don't think I could take, my ego just couldn't take it. So we never talk about art. Um, but all that to say, once again, his whole thing was about what I got about that. And I don't all the way agree with it, but his thing was like, if you want to be an artist, you need to focus on being an artist and understanding that that is your role, right? If you want to be run an arts institution and you want to build that, then that is your role. Like, so he's, I think it's very much about like being strategic about the things like, so he's like, I don't want to hear about no more non-for-profits. We need more black business. I don't want to hear non-for-profit, only for-profit. Don't talk to me about none of that bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's kind of his way. I'm like community centered, like, no, we're going to pull up, you know, but, but I've just kind of, for me and my lane, have figured out a way to maybe satisfy both of those things. And I've built a team around me that can help me do that. I can't do it by myself. Yeah. So so I do think to answer your question, Akbar, it just has to be really specific. It can't be casual. Like right. it's all going to work out. If you want to open a museum, then you need to be like very strategic about what that is and understanding that this, this, this needs to lead to that. Right. Right. You know, and I learned that from talking to Clary. He says, no, what do you want? You know, I said, well, I want to be successful. He says, okay, I'm going to ask you again. <laughs> he says, well, you know, I want to be like you. I want to be good at art. I want to make money. You know, he says, well, do you want to make success? Is success about art sales? No. Is it about prestige? Is it both? Like, like you have to, like, really get it down to the grain. You know, I always tell the stories. They told me, oh, go sell light switches at the Lake Fellows Meadows Art Fair. You can sell out. Like, you can sell a bunch of light switches, you know, a little decorative thing. You can make a lot of money off of that. Right. Light switches ain't going to get you into the MCA or the MoMA. Like, yeah, it's pretty much going to keep you out of there. So what do you mean? Being in the MoMA don't mean you got a lot of money. Cause you got to yeah. come back from the moment. You don't right. get no check. All the there ain't no million dollar check come from getting a show. That ain't mm -hmm. how that works. Right. But it can help you make sales. So then you, you know, once again, you got to really be specific about what success looks like for you. What it is you want to do. 
And that goes back. I'm talking about too. Where, where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And it's that thing we used to do back. And it seems redundant, but it is a really useful exercise. When right. you start counting out how much years you got on this planet and you say, I want to be here, but you know, you can always shift it, but just write it down, say where you want to be and you can always change it up. But yeah. I just watch my students freak out when I ask them what they're going to do in 20 years. They just lose it. It's like, it's just writing it down. It's like all of a sudden, like they can't take a like racer to it. Like, it's just like, it's, it, 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 you know, so, so, so that's what I got from mm-hmm. thinking about that. But I do think it's about being specific about what it is you want to accomplish. And when you tell them you want to do it all. Right. You know, it's like, you ain't thought about it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open my album and I'm going, I'm gonna be a, you know, I'm gonna open. I'm gonna be a hip hop star, and I'm gonna make my art on the side, and then I'm gonna open a business in a gallery. Whenever someone tells, when brother comes to, I'm gonna open up this gallery. But right there, I'm like, oh, red flag. I'm like, oh, let me, oh, whoa, here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 you ain't thought this through. <laughs> oh no, you ain't. Right. <laughs> you ain't gonna open no gallery the way you think you're gonna. It's a grand opening, grand closing. Right? Right. You know, like, like Buskers, you, you won't have the revenue to sit around not make no money for four years. Right. Yeah. Still a business. <laughs> like you ain't gonna make no money. You know. So. Yeah, I mean, that's all. I mean, that's. I think that is a good advice for everything and everyone, but more so anyone involved in the arts, because uh, regardless of whether it's art or music or, um, but in the arts, yeah, it does pay to foot you like to you. You need to walk, know which side of the road you're walking on. You can't can't go down the middle of the road. Otherwise, like, you know, Mr. Miyagi says, squish like grape. Right. And, and it's like, you know, in arts, we're, you know, oftentimes free thinkers. And that's why I just say there's yeah. a lot of different types of art. Yeah. But being specific about starting to understand what your relationship to the field thing that you want to do right. is fine. And it's not saying that being in a museum is more valuable than being at the art fair. Right. Or, or working in a community, doing community stuff is more valuable. It's not about saying that. But right. if, you, you know, you can't you can't go into the football field talking about, well, I'm good at baseball. Right. Why can't y'all play? To, you know what I mean? No, you gotta. If you want to be in that competition, you gotta learn how to play football. Right. But baseball is a great game. Rugby is too. Like they're yeah. all great. Soccer, we can be all them great games. You find any any great artists, any great musician. You like like you take somebody. Let's randomly Dave Chappelle, right? Dave Chappelle is a great comedian, right? right. But he's not. But he love and he loves music. He loves rap music, and I'm sure with his money he could open up a record label and do all these things. Right. He understands. I'm good at this. This is what I'm doing. Anything else after that, I can make a hobby, or I can just listen to some records. I right. don't, you know, or just bring a whole bunch of my friends and they can perform at yeah. my comedy. You ain't got to right. do it. You yeah. ain't got to be right. You can just set the stage if you want to be right. around. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. And as you get more resources. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you ain't got no resources because you spent all your time spending the money before you made the money, right? Then you ain't got no money to spend. So, 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 and I, you, whether that is is contacts or, or years of experience, just swap mm-hmm. it out. But I think it is helpful, especially in those early, to, to, to kind of be mindful. And I was, I was a dreamer. I was someone who like did that, and it was really helpful when someone like kind of told me, no, like that's great, but can you kind of hone it in a little bit to be a little specific, because like when you do something well, it's not going to be less. 
you know, it's not it's like you can get more opportunities. So like, what do you go, like when you get 20 opportunities from one, you're going to have to start editing some things out. And that was one of my challenges. There was no opportunity I was going to turn down. <laughs> so I had to, I'm still learning. Like I have to say no. And I just have people in my life now to help me say no. But yeah, no is the most useful word in the English <laughs> language if you know how to use it right. Yep. <laughs> so, um, as everyone knows, 12 million is inspired by Richard Wright's book, 12 Million Black Voices. Yep. So, one thing we always ask our guests is what's a book that's inspired you or that you recommend for, for our mm-hmm. listeners and for us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because, because we've been on this theme the whole time, um, you know, and, I, and I'm proud to say I don't read a lot, uh, even though I have a lot of books. I uh, actually, actually, um, you know, <laughs> that tripped me up one time and I can be honest about it. But no, I'd actually have a really large library. And most of the times when I when I purchase books, I don't I don't read for leisure. I read for knowledge. You know, so a lot of things are autobiographies or really kind of breaking apart things. So it's like I'm going to skip to the chapter about a very specific thing. So I don't very rarely do I read from front to back. I kind of like piece things together based on how I'm trying to understand my surroundings. Um, But the thing, because we're on that theme, if you can find it, um, it's getting more, it's getting harder and harder to find. But the autobiography of Dr. Margaret Burroughs, and it's a very easy read, even for me, um, but it really is her voice about what she was thinking, which is a very rare thing about kind of what it, what it took to start a museum, uh, uh, like, like, like notions about black hair. Right. Um, it's, it's really, it's kind of written for, I think it's helpful for adults, but I think she was actually writing to youth, which oh, wow. is part of it. So, you know, it's a really, it's a relatively easy read, but it's, um, it, it's very informative and that she wrote it very close to around the time she founded that museum, like I would say in the eighties, maybe 20 years after she had some time to kind of stem back from it. Mm. Um, So it it is a very interesting read, something I go to. I I don't, like I said, I don't read a lot, but I've actually read that book two or three times. Gotcha. Mm. All right, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, this was fun. I I don't get to talk art very often. I, I I did my I think I did my last piece of artwork in might have been ninety seven and I went get into back in there, man. You gotta get back in there. Yeah, I know. I got a bunch of stuff sitting here on the side of my desk waiting for me to sign pins calling out to me. Hey man, yeah, why you, you know, so I, 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 I think I may I may you know, figure out some way of doing some sketches. Actually, you gave me an idea. Um, doing some, um, some, uh, what do you call it? Um, rubbings. rubbings. Like kind of yeah. rubbings I used to love yeah. doing those, man. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And I, I got a, I saw something on uh, the documentary that gave, gave me an inspiration too. So maybe I'll match the two things and see what comes out of it. But um, this was great. I, I'm so glad we got to, to, to talk to you. Yeah. And I finally got to meet. Oh, this is fun, man. Let me know yeah, if y'all do the next version. We can talk. No, we definitely got to get you back on because I know we can yeah, talk about a number of other things. But yeah, yeah appreciate I don't you. Talk to my brother that often. So it's nice to, to have a, a format to do it. So this is. We don't talk as much as, well, you know, that's just the nature of life. But right, uh, definitely. Oh, this is fun. 
Definitely. Well, um, anyone who's looking to find out more can check Fahim at FahimMajid.com or if they want to, if you're stubborn again, yep. check him out on Instagram there. Yep. And um, the, his work is fantastic, especially the floating museum. I thought that was just like I said, anybody who works at just the scale you work at, I'm just like, yeah. Next time we'll spend a little time at Floating Museum. It's kind of they both kind of need their own spaces. So I definitely, definitely separate. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you want to see more about that, just you can just Google Floating Museum and, Ch- and Chicago. You ain't gonna see many of them, so uh, it, it'll pop up. All that stuff will pop up. You'll find yeah. us. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks, Fahima. We really appreciate you being on the uh, show with us today, oh, and um, everyone be able to check out his work and um thanks again and this wraps it up for another episode of 12 million akbar minutes. nope i think it's good so everybody have a good one and we'll see you next time peace